You are listening to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Globoforce, bringing more humanity to today's workplaces. You are enjoying our special edition coverage recorded live from Phoenix, Arizona, and Work Human 17. And now, here are today's hosts. All right. Good afternoon and welcome back to Work Human Radio. I am your host, Tachnik, joined by my friend and colleague, Rayanne Thorne, kicking off our afternoon session on our day one coverage here. Uh, So far, so good. I'm digging being a part of helping push and promote this uh, wonderful movement. It's it's such a great event, and we've had opportunity to talk about so many different things. Uh, Authenticity seems to be a resounding Mm -hmm. subject that keeps coming back. And I know I've been talking about it, writing about it for 10 years, and I'm so happy that we're actually talking about it in terms of helping the employee. So Mm -hmm. it's great. Well, what we all want is to have a great place to work. And I suspect (laughs) our next conversation is going to shed a lot of light on what that really means. I mean, well, it's one of those those ideas that if you say, define that, you get a lot of different opinions and insights and, and positions on it. So it'll be interesting to dive into this a little bit. We're joined now by Chinwe Anyagoro. She's the president and chief strategy officer of Great Place to Work. Chinwe, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Todd. We're happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Appreciate you stopping by. I know you're awfully busy here at Work Human, so grateful for you swinging by. Anyway, before we get into our important conversation, take a quick minute. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that's happening at Great Place to Work. Sure. So I am the the president and uh, chief strategy officer at Great Place to Work. Great Place to Work for 30 years has been focused on one thing and one thing only, which is to help companies around the world become great places to work. And um, we do that in a number of ways. We can get into those details. Uh, What we've learned, though, in working with tens of thousands of companies over the years is that high-performing organizations have one thing in common. They have high trust in common. And we can talk about what that means. Uh, You know, what's, what's really fascinating about that connection between trust and performance is when you think about it, you actually can't have anything else unless you have... Uh, some foundation of trust, whether it's in your household uh, with your spouse or whether it's in your community with your neighbors uh, or certainly uh, whether it's with your leaders at work. So it's it's foundational to everything that we do in America and certainly foundation to what foundational to what we do in the workplace. So welcome to Work Human Radio. First off, thanks for being here and joining us here at the Work Human Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Can you tell us a little bit about your presentation that you're going to be doing this week while you're here? I think it's creating a great place to work for all, raising the bar. Yes, absolutely. So really excited to be here at the Work Human Conference having this very conversation. Just last week, we we, uh, finished our conference in Chicago, and the theme of the conference was creating a great place to work for all. Um, This year, for the first time, we are updating our methodology in how we define a best company. Um, It used to be the case that we looked at just the average employee's experience. If the average employee was having a great experience, uh, you were a shoe-in to potentially be recognized as a best company. That's no longer enough. What we're now doing is we're looking not only at the average employee's experience, but we're looking at the experience of different demographic groups within the organization. So we're really focused on this notion that It should be a great place to work for you no matter who you are, no matter what you do in the organization. So if you're five feet below ground, digging ditches, laying pipe, it should be a great experience for you. If you're in the executive suite, it should be a great experience for you. Uh, And so we're really focused on measuring that and ensuring um, that that holds true in the companies that we recognize because we know it's not only great for the employees, it's also great for business. Why do I care about their experience? They're getting a paycheck. They're the lucky ones. They're getting employment for Mm -hmm. me. 
Why should I focus on and worry about their, quote, experience? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, if, if compensation and benefits were enough to really unlock the full value of your employees, then, you know, you're absolutely right, Todd. You shouldn't care. But what we know to be true is that compensation is actually just is the lowest order uh, on the rung of kind of the hierarchy of needs of what matters to an employee in the workplace. When you actually start to move up, you know, Maslow's hierarchy, if you will, it's really about self-actualization. And really, when you look at self-actualization, you're really talking about the relationships that people have within an organization. First and foremost, the relationships people have with their peers, and that's one of care and camaraderie. Secondly, the relationships people have with their leaders, and that has to be built on trust. Uh, And when we talk about trust, we're talking about three things. We're talking about the credibility of their leaders. Leaders know what the direction of the company is, and they know how to get there. The respect with which the leaders treat employees. So are you setting me up for success to be able to do a great job? Uh, And then lastly, fairness. Really want to ensure that I'm treated fairly. I'm a full member of the team, and I have full rights and benefits to uh, to share in the company's success as I contribute. Um, Those are all things that really matter. And it's just not compensation and benefits just doesn't cut it. Very true, uh, especially when we consider the values of retention and hanging on to quality employees that we spend so much time and money to recruit, right. and they get under our roof and we don't really take care of them anymore. We stop caring whether or not they want to work for us. And um, I'm under the impression that onboarding is a continual thing. You have to constantly be onboarding your employees. I loved what you talked about early on was the, the demographics in the workplace. And I'm assuming that means the guy that's out digging the ditch, plus the person that's cleaning the bathrooms on the top floor and the person that's out selling in the field. But I think that also includes diversity. And I think one of your specialties to talk about is diversity and inclusion. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're seeing that has shifted and changed? Are we seeing a better application of using diversity to hire to improve the workplace? You know, there's no question for, you know, 60 years we've been talking about the value of having diverse perspectives Mm -hmm. at the table, diverse backgrounds and ethnicities uh, in order to get a diversity of ideas to drive your organization forward. So that data has has long existed. It continues to exist. uh, But it hasn't been enough to really move the C-suite as a top priority. Um, So one of the things that we are really looking at is not just do you have the representation in the organization, because representation is important, but it's only one piece of the pie. Once you have people under your roof, you've employed them, are they? Are you unlocking the, the, the greatest value in right, those employees? Right. Are you unlocking the full potential? And what we've found is it's the experience those employees are having once you hire them that really matters. And so that's why we talk about Great Place to Work for All, because we're saying, look, if you're able to nail it and create a really positive experience for one demographic, you're, that suggests that with all the programs and benefits that you have, it's possible. And so what we're really looking at is to, to really drill down and say, who's not having that great experience? Where's the disparity? And let's learn what you're doing with one group of folks and see what we can leverage in terms of those strengths with everyone so you can unlock that value. The, the example we like to give is if you have five team members around a table planning you know, the implementation of a strategy, if two of those team members, or even one, is not having a great experience, if two people are mentally checked out, updating their LinkedIn profile, that's two folks that you potentially are losing in terms of driving your strategy forward. 
what would be, that's 40% of your, right, your workforce right. effectively. What could you accomplish as an organization if those two people were equally as unlocked as the other three? That's what we're talking about, which goes well beyond diversity and inclusion as it's sure. more narrowly defined. Right. Well, it sounds like what you're saying. What I've always worried is that an organization with sincere good intentions saying, all right, we have to check the box on being mm -hmm. a more diverse organization. And they make a couple of hires and say, all right, good, we did done. It. We right. did it. Now moving on right. to other, other boxes right. to check. What sounds like what you're saying is that's a common tale, I suspect. Right. But you're missing out on leveraging the full value right. of that effort and what right. that individual brings to the organization. Am I on the right path there? Yeah. You know, I'll go one further, Todd. Let's just talk numbers, right? So so when you look at the, the 100 best companies, these are companies that we've uh, you know measured as having high trust over the last 20 years with our, our media partner, Fortune Magazine. When you look at their performance against the stock market, uh, year over year, for the last 20 years, they've outperformed the stock market. We're talking about the S&P. We're talking about Russell 3000, Russell 1000. So, you know, our methodology at, at its core is solid. That was based on the average employee's experience. We, this year, as we implemented this for all component to our methodology, we this year said, you know, are we tinkering with the methodology to a point where it's actually going to continue to drive performance? So we created two separate lists. We created a best company list, which was released in March of this year. And then we created a great place to work for all list. And we saw two things. One is we saw some companies drop off the list that are currently Ooh. on our list. The other thing is we saw some com new companies that weren't making the list arise. The most interesting thing we saw is we saw a 2x differential in performance. Those great place to work for all companies had a, a revenue growth rate year over year, 2x that of the 100 best. So we, we, we have 3x value above the market over the last 20 years, and now we're adding an additional 2x of value. So you're absolutely right. Without unlocking the experience of everybody in the organization, you're just leaving money on the table. Mm. Wow. When, when we consider what Global Force does, you know, sponsor for the Work Human event, and the, the different companies that provide tools for recognition, whether they're automated tools or it's, it's an effort that makes it easier to recognize uh, valuable work yeah. that's brought into the workplace, um, is, is that a way to create a great foundation or are we creating a false foundation by just rewarding great work when you should, when we go back to what Todd was saying in the beginning, you should be providing great work anyway. Yeah. Right? So are we going, is it going the extra mile actually the standard now? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, we see recognition as a core foundational practice to build a strong culture, right? Just like recruiting to get the right people on the bus, development to ensure they have the skill set to execute. Recognition is about really saying, this is what matters in our organization, and we're going to reward those who actually deliver on it, whether it's delivering against your performance goals, it's delivering against be guiding behaviors that really reflect the culture and persist the culture, or, or any number of other things. So we see recognition as a real critical part of an organization's culture and of an organization's ability to be actually be effective in leading and sustaining a great culture. Why is it in 2017 we still have to talk about you need to focus on recognition efforts or that you have to build a culture of trust? It's still a conversation that has to yeah. be had. Yeah. How have we let that happen? And then how do we turn that around? I feel like we've turned the corner and there's more discussion and debate and, and appreciation for the value of that. But it's, I think we still have a ways to go. Where, how do we get there and where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there are two, two theories uh, about why we're still talking about this. Um, one is because there's still a perception that it's an either or, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's you know, deliver shareholder returns, you know, hit my P&L goals or treat people nicely. 
Um, you can't, be, do, you can't do both. <laughs> can't do both. Right. And, and, and more importantly, you, you, one doesn't drive the other. Right. Um, and so that's just a flawed notion that people still aren't getting. Um, we, in Fortune magazine earlier this year, they published an article that showed that there's an asset management fund called Parnassus Investments that's been using the 100 best company to basically constitute its portfolio. It's outperformed the market every year since the early 80s, made about $400 million. So the notion that the two are, are, are kind of, it's an either or, it's just flawed. Right. Right. Uh, but most people haven't seen that data. When they do see it, they don't believe it, and so we, and so the conversation continues. I think the other thing that's that's real and, and at the leadership level is there's just so much change going on in the marketplace. There's changing consumer needs. There's changing workforce demographics. There's technology and digitization pref- pressures. So leaders have a lot to hold in their heads and hearts, and oftentimes you know they get stuck. Um, many leaders you know fundamentally just don't have the tools to be able to to make a choice about how do you, how do you drive this effectively in their organization. Are they learning though that building a culture of high trust makes it easier to weather these changing (sighs) music to my ears Todd (laughs) music to my ears yeah when you when you talk to those leaders that are driving high trust high performance they will sing that song they will tell you how it's easier to deliver on their goals when people are clear about the expectations when people are rewarded when they contribute when you listen to people and you actually give them a feedback loop on their ideas they will they'll tell you and sing the praises but you gotta you gotta practice it right you gotta practice it you gotta see other people particularly at the highest level of leadership's modeling it to be able to fully believe it um, and to be able to see how it really helps and lifts all boat. Um, one of the things that you know, Warren Buffett like, likes to say is, you know, when trust is present in an organization, you don't, you, you don't see it. You know, it's like right. the air we breathe. It's but when it's there. not, it's clear. You notice it when it's gone. You it's notice clear. It when it's so you kind of take it for granted, right? So if, if a company wants to be this great place to work. Yeah. Is there an easy way to start or is it, um, we, we've spoken to a couple of people that have already said it's not just leadership, it has to yeah. be the whole organization has yeah. to be on on this same boat that's yeah. leaving the harbor saying, we're going to be a great place to work. So. Yeah. How is there an easy way to start or what's the best yeah. first step to take? You know, I love the way you phrase the question, right? Because it's, it's there an easy way to start. It's how do I begin this journey, right? It's not about, you know, it's, it's a journey. You're constantly on the road to trying to create uh, and sustain a great place to work. So, yes, there is an easy way to start. You know, our, our organization helps folks just get that barometer, right? Get a baseline as to where they are. Uh, you basically survey your employees, a random sample of your employees. And if seven out of ten of them say you're a great place to work, then you're a great place to work. Wow. That's a great way to get certified and begin the journey. Um, sure. Once you begin that journey, you're, you're ultimately eligible for uh, certainly our 100 best companies to work for list, but 26 other lists, right? So we've opened up the, f- the field and the pool of folks who can be recognized across industries, across demographic groups, across geographies. So folks that are on the journey are getting, you know, are hitting milestones and getting recognized along the way of, of being a, a best company. So super easy way to start and lots of English encouraging milestones to be able to 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 uh, rev up progress and, going. and build Just steam along the way. The it's a journey. It never ends, though, right? It right. That's never meant ends. meant to be a good thing. Yeah. It's a That's continual why I learning. said onboarding. Absolutely. It's 10 years from now, you're still a loyal employee. You still have to be onboarded. You're absolutely right. We spend a lot of our resources recruiting folks, getting them on board, and, and then, then walk and then, away from them. And you know, you see it in the results. When you look at the employee experience by tenure, you see those folks in the oh, first yeah. two years, it's, it's honeymoon season. And when they hit the two-year mark, there's a precipitous decline. Why? because we forget that we're constantly having to reintroduce ourselves, constantly have to continue recognizing and rewarding people for doing the great stuff they're doing in our culture. Right. Mm, mm, so important. Well, 
Chinway, I hate to say it, running low on time. Before we let you go, should anyone have any questions, how can they find you and where can they learn more about Great Place to Work and all the important work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, folks at the Work Human Conference, I have three fabulous colleagues here that you can reach out to, Lizelle, Amy, and Kim. So so shout out to us, um, <laughs> you know, at our at our Raising the Bar uh, breakout session. You can also reach me at um, chinway.onyagoro, that's C H I N as in Nancy, W-E dot Onyagoro, O-N-Y-E-A-G-O-R-O at greatplacetowork.com. Chinway Onyagoro, the president and chief strategy officer with Great Place to Work. Great to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you both. All right. All the time we have for right now, Todd and Rayan signing off from Phoenix. We'll see you again very soon on Work Human Radio. Work Human Radio is brought to you by Globoforce pioneers of the work human movement. Globoforce helps make work more human for millions of people and organizations worldwide. Learn more by visiting Globoforce.com and join the work human movement by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and the Work Human Community Forum on LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening to Work Human Radio.